When is a contract not a contract? Well, in Singapore, the government has announced the ability for businesses to be able to get out of certain contracts if they've been really hammered by COVID. Uh, on the Riabu podcast today with Simon Littlewood and me, Mark Laudy, we're going to walk through some of those uh, particular points in relation to what the government is proposing and uh, of course also looking into what this means for you as an SME if you are the ones actually who's having a contract terminated mm. and all of a sudden the revenue that you thought was going to come in is no longer going to come in. So Simon a quick overview first and by the way you can see all of this online. Um, while certainly the government is looking to make it easier for businesses to escape some of these contracts that might otherwise send them under. There are many, many restrictions. So firstly, businesses will remain liable, they say, for outstanding obligations. They will remain liable, but will not need to pay early termination penalties. Yes. The list of eligibility criteria is also quite long. Um, while the, the figures haven't yet been uh, uh, announced, but if you are a small and medium enterprise, uh, there is an annual revenue cap that you need to fall under. In other words, you need to be a small company. Yes. Uh, which will, of course, cover the majority of enterprises. SMEs with revenue of less than $100 million, Singapore dollars, make up 99% of companies in Singapore. The next thing is that the fall in revenue, um, you must have experienced one compared to the same time last year, because presumably, if your business is actually going really well, then why should you be able to and get out of the contract? And some are. A minority of businesses are, mm. you know? Exactly. Uh, and, and so the, currently the industry consultation is going on. Contracts covered, firstly, by Singapore law, second, before the 25th of March. So you can't now say, oh, I entered this contract in July and now I'm going to cancel it. That's not going to work. 25th of March was, would have been the deadline. And you or the other party must be in Singapore. Now, the five types of categories that you need to uh, fall into. Leases of non-residential immovable property over a short term, five years or less, higher purchase agreements, rental agreements for commercial vehicles or equipment, contracts for sale of purchase, a sale and purchase of goods or services. So, so far so good. If you're within that, then perhaps you have a chance of escaping some of your contracts. But then there are a number of excluded contracts consumer contracts, employment contracts, insurance contracts, for example, that you can't get out of. Uh, and uh, the list goes on, construction and supply contracts, commodity contracts, and a whole range of others, factoring of receivables contracts, contracts affecting essential services and national interest uh, make up the contracts that are excluded from all of this. So against this backdrop, Simon, it looks like it's going to be made easier for you to escape contracts or somehow renegotiate contracts with the other party, but there are many, many conditions to allow you to do that. Yes, there are. Uh, it, it, it might be helpful just to, to remind ourselves, because the Singapore government's been coming up with new measures thick and fast over the last month, and we've already talked about a couple of them. The first thing is that although we're by no means out of the woods yet, the Singapore government has significantly reduced the level of support that it gives to companies from a range of 25 to 75 percent of salary costs down to a straightforward 10 percent for all businesses. So first of all, that's over the next six months. The consequence of that is likely to mean that quite a lot of businesses are going to struggle. 
they've then they've now in effect introduced two different paths for the businesses which are struggling the one path is that it's much easier for them under the SIPs framework for them to actually become insolvent if they simply can't make it without the subsidy but the second one and the one we're talking about which is actually creative and interesting says if you still have a viable business but your level of activity is significantly lower than it was pre-covid but you have liabilities that have rolled over so you have supplier contracts that are calibrated to a pre-covid level of, of, of provision say that you're now entitled by law to call for a renegotiation and you will be supported if necessary by an independent government advisor if your supplier does not play ball so this is a very creative attempt to keep viable businesses alive albeit at a reduced level of activity. Yeah. yeah. And of course it's all up to Parliament now to actually formulate this law and actually pass the law after the industry consultation is over. So we're going to restrict ourselves to those two questions. One, how should you talk to your supplier mm -hmm. uh, so that they will happily say yes, okay, we will renegotiate the contract or even let you uh, terminate the contract. And two, what if you're on the receiving end and you have a customer who comes to you and says, hey, I fall within the eligibility requirement, whatever the government ends up passing, and therefore uh, you need to you know, let me out of this contract. Obviously, as a supplier, you're probably going to feel the pinch of that a little bit. Let's tackle the first one. How should you start this Yes, I mean, since this crisis began, you and I have talked a little bit about five things to survive, and one of the things to survive is be open with your suppliers just as you should be open with your customers. In other words, one sure way to muck up a relationship is to keep quiet until you fall off a cliff and you cannot pay them. And just uh, send a notice of yes. termination of yeah, the contract. Yeah, because, yes. you know, because, because what this does is, is it has a knock-on effect. Yeah? So one thing we've always counseled is stay close to your suppliers as you should to your customers. And if, if you need a rule of thumb, if you happen to have a lot of suppliers, then the 80-20 rule applies. 20% of your suppliers will deliver 80% of what you buy. Make sure that you keep close to that 20% and please be honest with them about your situation. It's no secret that lots of companies are struggling. They probably know. But if you can be straightforward and honest with them, then you can perhaps have a conversation about what will work because they don't want to lose a customer, particularly one that's open and honest with them. They anticipate having business post-COVID. They need to get through COVID somehow. So have a go at working out a compromise deal, which is kind of what this, what this government support is aimed at, that will enable you both to survive. Otherwise, if you, do, if you abruptly fail to, to, to meet your commitments, um, you can cause massive damage and actually break up a supply chain unnecessarily. So wow. we, we often talk about communication. It's about communication and there's a, there's a human instinct which is kind of the, you know, the, the, the kind of hide instinct. I don't know what the name for it is, but, we, but I've talked about this a lot, which is yeah. things are getting worse and things are getting worse and things are getting worse. So I don't tell anyone and I just hope for the best. Yes. I saw a lot of this at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. That is not, doing nothing is not a solution. Yeah. It's like, uh, like when you're running short of cash and you refuse to open the letterbox lest you find more, more bills. I, right? I long ago stopped opening bank statements uh, <laughs> precisely for that reason. Mark. My view is that as long as they go on honoring the payments, I'm backing them 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, the, the, the difficulty though is to unhide, I suppose, you know, and to come out and, and say, is often that you don't know the right words. So what might be some of those right words to choose in your email, in your phone call to well, your I supplier? I think that what's really important, first of all, is make it absolutely clear 
how much you've appreciated working with them and that you're very keen to maintain a relationship in the future. In other words, there is going to be a future. This is a difficulty. We, and they'll know that. I mean, it's not a secret, right? Mm. This, this, this is a very general uh, malaise that everyone's suffering from. So, so what we want to do is to work with you as a valued supplier to find a way through this together. And we're really open to ideas. We have some. Uh, probably you have some, you know, particularly if the suppliers are bigger companies. So, well, you, you know, you, you're a bigger company than us. You probably deal with a lot more customers than we do. But let's at least sit down and be honest and open about what our respective situations are um, in the interests of keeping things going. So you wouldn't necessarily hammer them straight away with, dear supplier, we would like to terminate our contracts well, under the temporary measures. If you Act. haven't, you know, if you have kind of sat on your hands and hoped for the best, and I'm afraid some companies have, surprising number of companies, um, and and that's, that's partly a cultural thing. We, we know cultures in Asia where no one will admit to anything until you literally fall off a cliff. And this happens with even very big companies in some parts of Asia. Yes. Um, but assuming you've had the courage to deal with this early on, you'll have more options. I mean, if you wait to the time where you simply have no cash and you can't pay anything, then that really leaves you without options. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so, so have this conversation when you've got options and have it with your customers as well, because the, the other side of this, the, the other side of this coin is my customers are in trouble. They're all in trouble, right? Let's triage them, S you know, split them up into the ones that are going to survive and the ones that probably aren't going to survive or the ones that aren't going to survive with the greatest of regret. We try and manage our way out of that situation with the least damage to us, but we certainly restrict any additional liability so we don't provide. But for the rest, particularly the 20% of customers that are 80% of your sales, Try and find a way to work with them. Yeah? Okay, so let's focus on the suppliers first. And the, for that first email, what I'm hearing you say is to actually leave the door wide open to any other measures that they can think of, not just the so-called realign framework for businesses to yeah. renegotiate contracts. I wouldn't even, I mean, for the, particularly for the important ones, I wouldn't even do it by email. I would leverage what, if you've been managing those relationships right, there'll be somebody that you can talk to. And, and you should get them on the phone, you should go and see them. You say, this is what we're looking at. It's, a, it's not an easy situation. Yes, let's have, a, have a cup of tea together. Yes, so you're probably hearing this a lot. I want to just reiterate, sitting here with you now, my absolute interest in continuing a relationship that, that helps us both survive this. If you have the courage to do that, and not everybody does, because people in business very often are, are you know, very keen to accentuate the positive. Um, and less keen to, uh, to admit <laughs> yes. where things are going awry. Have the courage to do that, do it early on. You'll be amazed how much traction you'll get. I've always been amazed in these situations. From the moment you say, look, I have a problem, here's my problem. Human beings are collaborative by nature. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, very often you will find that there are ways to, yes. to weather these situations. I guess when you're wearing your, the customer hat, you anyway have a bit more leverage. I mean, if you're the customer, and you call your supplier, then the supplier is m more than likely to say, well, you know, this is an important customer, they, they generate cash flow for us. Yeah, of course I'm going to meet them, well, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that, 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 that I would always say in this kind of situation is by getting ahead of the game, you can communicate to the market in general that you intend to survive. And in order to demonstrate that you intend to survive, you've got to take these actions. Because think about your supplier. Your supplier knows that he's going to lose some customers who can't pay him because he sees what's going on in the market. Are you one of them? Or are you one of the ones that he, he wants to keep? Yeah? And even if you're not a huge customer, you have an opportunity to become one of the ones that he wants to keep, right? Because having a 
supplier, particularly a large one that has deeper pockets than you, on your side, demonstrating, ready to demonstrate a certain level of flexibility because they've heard from you that you're committed, is an immense asset. If you can get a, a few large suppliers to do that, particularly if they're very big companies, mm. uh, that can be, in, in essence, a, an infusion of uh, critical, um, uh, critical um, support, particularly working capital support, liquidity support, during during a most difficult period. Yes. Yeah? Because after all, the larger supplier, you may be small fry to them, uh, and therefore you may not have that much bargaining power to say, I want to take advantage of this Temporary Measures Act. They might, I mean, if you're a small supplier, uh, sorry, a small customer, they might very well say, well, you know, you want to renegotiate our supply contracts? Well, we're just going to chop you off at the knees. So if you have that opportunity, if you have that conversation, you can actually punch above your weight a little bit, even if you're a small customer. I mean, looking at it from their perspective, you know, um, they'll have a lot of customers, potentially, if it's a larger supplier. And there'll be some customers who simply go quiet and their payments slow down. Now, what attitude are they going to take towards those? They're going to be very, very, very cautious. And they're going to perhaps assume the worst. Mm. Very important that you stick your head up, go along, talk to them, differentiate yourself. Differentiate. How do you differentiate yourself? We have a plan. Here are the things that we're doing. We're putting these people on furlough. We're working on our customer receivables. We've got deals. We're working on this additional financing from the bank. Show that you have thought about it and that you have a plan that will weather you, will enable you to weather even quite a bad out, out turn, yeah? Mm -hmm. But in order for that to work, really they're going to need, you know, you're going to need some support from your, and flexibility from your suppliers and because you want to continue doing business with them after this, this difficulty uh, is surmounted, you know? Um, generally, to your point, suppliers are going to be very sympathetic to customers that are A, communicating and B, clearly have thought this through. Um, neither of those things is very hard. Both of them, when you're in crisis, can be omitted because you're so dizzy, so busy, you know, drinking from the fire hose is the expression a lot of people use, which is, I'm so busy dealing day with day-to-day -day problems that I count, I do not have time to step back and save the business, you know, uh, which in <laughs> essence, you know what I mean? But no, it's very common. Yes. Very common. Yeah. Um, Shifting deck chairs on the Titanic. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a human thing, right? Um, and, and my experience, and I've lived long enough to have had a few ups and downs, is, is once you actually acknowledge that, that there is a potential very big risk and you are, you are open and honest about it and you pull your team together to look into what you can do about it and you communicate to suppliers and customers, it becomes a very different kind of experience. It becomes yes. quite a rewarding experience. Yeah. So is there a way actually to take a long-term approach as a customer? Again, we're still wearing our customer hat right now and you're going along to your supplier and saying, can you cut me some slack? Um, perhaps it may never get to this realigned framework. Perhaps you can find other sort of uh, ways around it. For example, could you negotiate simply longer payment terms and say, please, instead of having to pay you within 30 days, can we pay you in 60 or 90? Um, I, you know, I, the earlier, certainly have those discussions and the earlier you do, you do that, the better. I think a couple of things. First of all, if you have a habit of not meeting your contractual payment terms, that's a much harder discussion to have. In other words, if historically you've had 60-day terms and you've been paying your supplier in 100, <laughs> then he has reason to wonder whether or not you're actually serious. So if your account needs to be in order. So to the extent that you have an existing agreement, you need to stick to it. And if you're not going to be able to stick to it, you need to make that communication as, 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 as early as possible. That's incredibly important. I think the second thing is, 
the supplier is going to be wary of this becoming a de facto enduring obligation. In other words, are you fundamentally changing the nature of the relationship? And it's very important that you make that point as well, which is this is a temporary extension in payment terms to a level that will give me breathing space and give you breathing space, where we can both survive so that we can go on and, and, and do business in the future. And yes, in the future, when things start to get better, we will work with you on the diminishing balance principle to progressively reduce the amount of money we owe you back to pre-existing payment terms. Yeah, um, but, but people could also, I mean, as a supplier, you might also be weary of that, right? Because even if, the, even if your customer um, says this is going to be temporary, you know, can you extend it to 60 days instead of 30? You know, I mean, as a supplier, you might also be weary of saying, well, yes, because in six months' time, they might ask for another extension for another six months of the 60-day payment. You need to fundamentally reassure yourself about the viability of your customer if you're, if you're a supplier, and there are a number of ways that you can do that. In other words, don't just take their word for it. Ask for specific data. Make sure that, in you, that they appear to have thought about how to get through. So it's, it's not, oh, my God, we don't know what to do. Please don't make us pay you. Mm. Uh, that's not really <laughs> what you want to hear. Yes. It's, we've thought this through. We we firmly believe that we can survive this crisis. Here are the four or five things that we've already done, right? Mm. And you mentioned we've yeah. gone to the bank for to ask. We've, we've furloughed more staff. In Singapore, we've the government's made significant amounts of additional liquidity available at quite low interest rates. So we've looked at that. You know, but even we've looked at that. We furloughed staff. To your point, you know, we've, we've we've done what we can to bring customer payments in. But even if we do all of that, we're going to need a little bit of help from our suppliers like you, and that will be on a purely on a pro tem basis. Uh, and we want to kind of talk about that so that we can both survive. And I think that's, I think that's a, a, an additive additive conversation to have. But if you're a supplier, you're going to want to check that um, that the market tells you that this company is fundamentally viable. I mean, what are they selling and who are they selling it to? You know, if they're in a sector where, where they're going to be under lockdown forever or, or the market <laughs> has moved to something else, you, so you need to take basic risk management measures, yeah? Yes, um, to make sure that they're not just extending 60-day payment terms for the six months that they will, <laughs> for the remaining six months of their lifetime. Yes, yeah. I think that's right. I mean, look for evidence of a strategy as opposed to evidence of a tactic, which is, oh my God, we've got to do something, what are we going to do? I know, let's phone up all our suppliers and ask if we can have three months credit. Yes. Because in that situation, unless there is clear evidence that there is a strategy, you might be better off stopping supply and collecting what money you can or immediately going to a diminishing balance arrangement, which says, I'm only going to supply you in future, provided that every month you owe me less. So you need to pay new orders and any other, and, uh, and diminish outstanding. Yes. Um, you know, that would be the thing to do. Um, so, Well, let's, let's keep our supplier hat on. So, so far in our conversation, we've talked about if you're a customer, how to go back to your supplier and, and ask for this additional leeway, whether it is to renegotiate the contract, as the Singapore government is expecting, uh, again, if the mm. law is passed, uh, will likely do, or to actually at least have some other conversation about longer payment terms and whatever else. Now, with our supplier hat on, if you have a customer who comes to you and asks you for this, you might very well think, goodness, if I now let them escape from this contract, if I now uh, allow them to pay me in 60 days rather than 30, then I'm going to be in trouble. Yes. I'm going to be, in essence, passing down the value chain, the fact that this particular customer has asked for a longer payment term. I mean, there are things that you can do to reassure yourself about the viability of that customer's business, you know? 
Um, there are places where you can go to get information about who their largest customers are, and you can look at the financial stability of those large customers. Um, you can, of course, insure your receivables. We haven't talked about that, but uh, you know that's something that a lot of companies are doing, and the, that can of often be cost-effective because the, the global credit insurers have such a massive pool of receivables that the relative cost of insuring them, given that some will survive and some won't, is, is relatively low. And also, where companies, where insurers have scale within a particular industry, they can often tell you more about your competitors and other customers than you can. In other words, the insurer, if he's insuring multiple companies that are selling into the same sector, I don't know what it is, let's say it's marine or something, he's going to know very quickly when one of the customers is delaying payments because he's going to see it. Mm. And he'll then know because he, because he has details of who the top customers are for all of his insured companies. He'll then see that he's got other insured companies that are selling to the same customer. Why is that good? Well, because the insurer can then put pressure on those customers to say, look, we're aware that you are potentially going to be short paying a whole range of companies. If you want to go on doing business with them, because we need to be happy to maintain, then you need to strike a deal. So, yes. so there's some benefit to that. I mean, if, if you're a small company and you lack the clout to compel a customer to pay you, uh, a credit insurer, uh, insurer can, and I have no view one way or the other, but they can in some cases provide you with that clout by giving, by giving you access to, um, yes. to, 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 to yeah, the power in the market. Yeah. And best of all, there's a, currently a government subsidy to pay your trade credit insurance uh, premiums. If you're, was, if you're a Singapore company, yes. you're owned by Singaporeans, up to 50% of your, of your premium. Yes. Yeah. But back to the, uh, you know, if you're, what, what sort of conversation can you then have with your customer? So remember, on Riabu, we're always about how to make sure that your customer pays you on time. What, in essence, this uh, Temporary Measures Act and the Realign Framework for Businesses to Renegotiate Contracts will allow you to do is, is like the escape button on the keyboard of your computer to mm -hmm. say, you know, we're going to take this conversation between customer and supplier out of the normal circumstance. And now all of a sudden we are going to say, okay, you don't have to pay your invoices on time. Well, I mean, I, look, what we're prescribing here, it makes perfect sense at a conceptual level. But the fact of the matter is that many businesses, particularly small ones that have gone on growing year after year after year, and remember Singapore's got a pretty much, until recently, pretty much unparalleled record of growth. It's barely had a recession until this year. Um, they're not used to having these discussions. So if you're a small and medium-sized enterprise, you know, finessing a change in relationships with your suppliers may not be that easy to do. It's easy to describe, it's harder to do because you've never done it, right? Mm. You've never done it. You've only ever had one kind of relationship with your supplier. So what this government initiative does is it puts that opportunity on the table and it then gives you access to advice on how you can finesse that, and, and that's quite a sensible thing to do. And it also puts some moral suasion on the supplier. Well, it's, not, it's more than moral suasion, actually. There's legal suasion, which <laughs> says you've actually got to be prepared to negotiate um, and you can, um, and, and, and to strike a deal, which will give your customer breathing space. I mean, the, the specific request yes. is that you give them longer to pay what's outstanding, right? Um, so what would you um, recommend? And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say it depends. But <laughs> let me pin you down, having already preempted yeah. that answer. Um, what would be a reasonable request from a customer? Well, uh, if, if, if your request is, is, is for a dramatic change in conditions, then a supplier is going to, is going to obviously worry that 
you're simply desperate and it's not predictable. Okay, so let's assume we've got our supplier hat yeah. on. Customer comes to you and says, I'm going to use this Temporary Measures Act to get out of whatever contracts I have with you. And, or, or perhaps, you know, I want to get out of the contract that we signed earlier this year, but for all the other things, I want 90-day payment terms rather than 30. Well, I'm not sure that it's one thing. You see, the way that I would look at this, if I were a supplier, is I'd say, my, because the customer's ongoing business is 50% of what it was a year ago. For the 50% of ongoing business, which is new stuff I'm selling you as a supplier that you can resell, um, because I want to be paid in a regular way for that. What's actually at issue is prior contracts where you uh, are unable to meet the full requirement or it's outstanding from a long time ago. And in that instance, I'm going to give you an opportunity to work on a diminishing balance because you made a commitment to buy more stuff than you can actually sell and um, or more services than you can actually use and you simply can't meet them out of, out of existing cash flow. So I need to accomplish two things. One, I need to make sure that the overall balanced liability to you is not going up which means that any current stuff has to be dealt with in a prompt way. But also at the same time, it's, it's a diminishing balance principle, which is stuff that's owed from the past needs to be coming down in some kind of measurable way. But I'm not going to take you to court and I'm going to give you, I think, the recommended period according to the realign framework, as it's called, I think is 12 to 18 months, if my memory serves me correctly, which says we're going to give you breathing space to, to readjust these balances. So mm -hmm. what, what will happen is that as... As sales pick up, as activity picks up over the next year, hopefully, I, I mean, the OECD, from memory, says that global GDP will be back to October 2019 levels in October 2022, I think, was what, I think that's what I heard. So you get so well, it depends months. on the industry. Airlines are talking about twenty twenty four, doesn't it? Yeah. So well, that, but that's global GDP. So there's some 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 that are coming back and some that aren't coming back, um, but. I mean, that just gives you a time. So, so as a supplier, you still have to have a reasonableness test, right? If this customer yes. comes to you and says, oh, I want to throw everything out, but they're actually in, a, in, a, in, a, in an industry which you'd say, actually, this industry is doing pretty well, then you might give more pushback than if you kind of saw that, yeah, well, virtually all the other The first, first requirement is clearly transparency. It, it, for a customer to ask for a significant change of this nature, you've got to be able to look at what's going on in their business, both their sales and margins, and all implied margins, so what have happened, to, it's not just sales, but what's happened to prices. Um, and, um, and, and that's not difficult, you know. Um, and, um, and also, what's going on with their customers, you know. Um, it's very important. So just to wrap then, so if you get this horribly wrong, what will it look like? If you get this horribly right, <laughs> if there is such a thing, what would that look well, like? Well, one of the things that's missing from this is any kind of attempt by the government to support the supplier that agrees to the re-evaluation. Um, which I think is, in, which they might well figure out, because remember that this is still draft legislation. In other words, it's one thing to persuade a supplier to enter into to a delaying agreement uh, from a good faith perspective encouraged by the government, but if that then leads, to your point, to the supplier being significantly out of pocket when, when otherwise he would have taken action to collect that money earlier on, when it was perhaps available, then it's in, an interesting point that, that maybe the government... Because it kind of flows down yeah, the value maybe chain. The government, maybe the government you know, has to consider that. You know, if people are encouraged into an arrangement that, is, that ultimately proves to be fruitless and they go bust, there may be some kind of, of insurance arrangement. I don't know. Governments have enough clout to do that. So from a, from a supplier perspective, is, is a long-term possible outcome that actually you do move closer to your customer? That perhaps 
or, or vice versa, that as a customer, you can uh, achieve uh, a much more mutually beneficial arrangement what, if you get this right. What, what moves you closer to a customer or a, or, a, or a supplier, in fact, any relationship, not just in business, is being honest, making a commitment, and sticking to the commitment. If you have a history of not sticking to your commitments, and that will apply to a lot of companies when it comes to paying invoices, it's going to be that much harder to have a conversation with a supplier because he's going to say, well, we've looked at your record over the last 10 years, and frankly, you've never once <laughs> stuck to uh, our agreed payment terms. And we, we were kind of letting that go while the relationship was growing, but you're now telling us that your business is reduced by 50%, uh, and you're now proposing a change in payment. And, you know, reassure us that you're actually going to meet that. So, 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 so I mean, it's not, it's not a complicated, and if we're honest, we all kind of understand that, right? Yes. In um, other words, if you want to go there, I wouldn't start from here. So. Well, I think that if you are starting from here, then you need to reset. You need to, you need to acknowledge that. You need to say, look, this is what's happened, yeah? Mm. We know we've never stuck to the contract before, but... Um, and um, uh, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I don't know if I put it in quite those words. <laughs> yeah, commercial pressures have led led to us, you know, perhaps um, being somewhat more flexible than you would have liked. Uh, you know Goodness, length. that's putting a positive on well, it. Well, uh, but it is all about. We're coming out of COVID. It's all about being positive for t welcoming in or oh, close to Christmas now. It's only a month away. Yes. Uh, We've not paid our invoices on time in the past because we were displaying a great deal of flexibility and dynamism. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you have stories yourself of uh, contracts that uh, you are being asked by your contractual party, the partner, to, to let uh, go of or vice versa, then of course we'd always like to hear from you. Service at riabu.com. Drop us a line. Thanks, Mark.